Has your local footy club had a recent clangor or challenge? Well, Amy is here to help. The Amy Clangers for Good competition is back for 2024. This year, Amy are donating $10 for every clangor recorded during the AFL season with eight community clubs in the chance to win up to $15,000. If you want your club to go into the running in 100 words or less, tell us how Amy can help your club bounce back from a recent challenge. Enter now at amy.com.au forward slash clangers for good. That's amy.com.au forward slash clangers for good. T's and C's apply. Cobram Estate is the most awarded Australian extra virgin olive oil. Let it be the hero when entertaining family and friends. Cobram Estate extra virgin olive oil is fresh and full of flavour. Perfect for roasting, frying, baking, dressing salads and for dipping bread. Make your food taste even better with a little help from Cobram Estate. Premium quality, great tasting and a versatile, healthy alternative. Buy in store at all major retailers. G'day, guys. Welcome back to the Dylan Friends podcast. This week, it's a bit different. I've got a new guest on. The caliber of this guy is absolutely incredible, and he's way too qualified to be on this show. Dr. Zach Seidler. He's the Global Director of Mental Health Training at Movember. He's a clinical psychologist as well. We met last year while I was doing some work with Movember uh, in Sydney, and, and I floated the idea of doing a mental health podcast with him, and... I've wanted to do it since. Um, I think that there's no better time than now, um, considering the current climate of, of having a chat and making sure that we're all on top of our mental health. Um, so I get him on. He, he's absolutely unbelievable guy. He's 30 years old and he's already done so much. Uh, he's very relatable and helps us out a lot. And I, I definitely learn a lot from him in this podcast. Um, we touch on the stigma of mental health and has it changed. We talk about my experiences a little bit with psychology and, and what I've learned from psychologists that I've chatted with in the past. Um, we talk about a lot of networks are available for people that want to have a chat with, with anyone at the moment if they're struggling or, or you know, need, need some help. Uh, we talk about anxiety and good techniques and combating it, uh, things that we can practice every day like mindfulness. Um, we talk about challenges that we want to set up for each other, random acts of kindness, checking in on our mates in a, in a tough time. And um, I honestly learned so much out of this chat. So I hope you enjoy it. Give your mum and dad a kiss for me and um, enjoy. Welcome to the Dylan Friends Podcast. My name is Deborah, Dylan's mum. Strap yourselves in for some lighthearted and wholesome fun. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Excited for this episode. Uh, it's a first of Dylan Friends, Dr. Zach Seidler, Global Director of Mental Health Training at Movember. Mate, it's an honor to have you on the show. Uh, the caliber of guests is just gone up a notch. Yeah, so I, I've, I've, you know, obviously we met a while back uh, doing a Movember event. We were doing the bridge climb for men's health to promote that. So we're obviously already friends. Um, just quickly, how'd you enjoy that day and our meeting? <laughs> Not not your everyday activity, you know, to meet to meet atop the the Harbour Bridge and just go and shave someone's beard off. Um, but it was good. You were a bit freaked out, weren't you? You were, you were cowering in your boots. I was, I'm, mate. I'm, I was, and um, I'm a big fan of the Sydney Harbour Bridge because I I have a hat that I actually wear quite regularly that people would people would know. And um, to actually get up there was fantastic, and it was an incredible time, an incredible cause, I suppose, uh, doing that for Movember, and um, it's probably where my relationship with Movember actually started, which I'm absolutely wrapped to be a part of um but mate i've i've got to admit um meeting you on that day you're a very down-to-earth guy you're in your 30s and i did not realize this title that was just carrying over your head it is it's quite impressive mate global director 
of mental health training at Movember, and you're also a clinical psychologist. So it's you're yeah. doing pretty well. I appreciate that. I, I paid off the guys above for the title. It worked out well. But it's, you know, you, you, it, it helps that if you've got a, got a passion and work it out pretty early on um, and work pretty tirelessly at it, uh, it comes good pretty quickly. And there's, there's a huge vacuum in this space of, of men's mental health as well. So I kind of very luckily just slid right in. And what is the role? Like, obviously, it's a big one, but what's your role at Movember? For sure. So I do a few different things, but mostly I'm I'm running a research project teaching psychologists and psychiatrists how to engage guys in treatment. So lots of guys come into therapy. Um, you know, I think you yourself have, have have said that you've been in before, and we'll discuss that a bit later on. But they they come in and often they don't engage, they don't connect. You know, they it misses the mark, and and they leave early. Uh, they drop out prematurely, and that's really problematic because if you don't get the guy to stay there, you're not going to get improvement. And if you don't get improvement, we, we look at the horrible male suicide rate that we're sitting with at the moment. Yeah, mate, it's absolutely incredible. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm pinching myself because I, I wish I had this done, done this episode earlier. But um, as I said, I'm so wrapped to do it now. And I suppose we find ourselves in a really weird predicament, like in the world. Um, this virus is just, it's gone crazy. Um, and getting in touch with you thinking like this would be just another better time to, to have this chat. I suppose we will get into all that stuff that we, we mentioned earlier, but just quickly, what I suppose is some of those most important times now that we're ahead of the virus and what's probably the critical things that we have to be looking after? Yeah, I think that uh, people are starting to realise that this is going to probably take a bigger hit to our mental health than our physical health in many ways. Being locked up, I don't know about you, but it's doing my head in. Um, <clears throat> and lots of, lots of guys, I think, who are used to being really, really active, really physical, and are now confined to their houses, um, mate, I'm sure you're no exception here, um, uh, are going to be faced with having to look at themselves in the, in the mirror every morning and go, what the bloody hell am I going to do today? You know, um, you add job loss to that and, and you've got family, um, you know, freaking out and some people getting sick, et cetera. And, and it really looks like the perfect storm. So we really need to get ahead of this uh, if we're going to keep everyone calm and healthy. Exactly. I, I suppose for me, thinking about all those things you just said, um, alone time for probably males, and I speak from my experience, is the time that it can be the most confronting because you probably don't have those distractions of being at work with other people or being around friends as much. And that can probably be the time where those things do hit you the most. So I suppose what would be some of those strategies maybe to like keep in contact with friends, um, check up on mates that you might think could be at risk or, you know, as we've shown in the past, it doesn't even have to be at risk because sometimes people are so good at hiding these things that um, that it, it doesn't really matter what they're like on the outside. Um, is there anything yeah. that we can really focus on in, in, in that aspect? For sure. Well, I think compared to like the, the Spanish influenza back in the day, we're very lucky to have iPhones and, and computers now to, to keep in touch. We don't have to completely lock up and just deal with our families, which I, I know plenty of people don't want to do. But, um, you know, I've been using this app called House Party to check in with my mates. I've been using Zoom and having happy hour every night. You know, have a, yeah, it's a good. Eh? Have a beer. Have a beer with my mates. So do you think that that's actually like something that has to be scheduled in? Like I think that, you know, my mate was saying I'm a really bad at this uh, uh, in the real world, but I always say let's catch up next week and you don't really do it. But I think, you know, I said to my mate, yeah, we'll jump yep. on house party tonight. And he's like, what time? 
And I was like, oh, I don't know, we'll just do it. And he goes, no, no, like if we don't do, if we don't make a time, it's not going to happen. And I was like, oh, okay, well, six o'clock. So it looks like tonight at six o'clock, I'm going to be jumping on. And I was like, well, I'm so thankful that he actually did that. Otherwise, it might be one of those things that you just keep missing out on. He sounds like a smart dude. And I reckon that, that there's something to be said for, and I've always said this, and November said this for a while, don't make plans general. Make them specific, you know? What are you going to do and when are you going to do it? And how's it going to look? So that at least everyone's on the same page and they're going to rock up because it's really not a good look when, when you know, I know so many guys who are, who are trying their hardest and I, I'm the glue in my, in my social network. So I go nuts just pulling in, you know, 20 dudes at a time, trying to get them to all connect because if we keep it really up in the air, shit just doesn't happen. Exactly right. And I suppose in terms of that, of setting goals and catching up with people, um, I suppose in this time as well, something that could be important is the importance of a routine and keeping that even though you're at work, mm-hmm. uh, you're not at work, sorry. So if you're at home, um, is that, you know, getting up early? Is it like, you know, getting up early, having a shower, brushing your teeth, setting yourself up for the day, then get into your work early, don't, you know, sleeping in, I suppose, is one of those things. I know when I sleep in, it nearly ruins my day because I get up and it just doesn't set me on the right path. Exactly. I just wake up every morning and put on this November shirt, the same shirt every day. It's great, <laughs> but it's stuck to my skin now. Let's not talk about that. But it's, um, there's something really important about routine. Like, you know, there are so many guys out there who, even if they are like social recluses in a way, if they're gamers or if they're, you know, people who don't necessarily interact, um, you know, with that many people, they might be, might be introverted they still rely on that natural sense of rhythm about how their day is going to go. Um, and that's why I think exercise is really useful because you break it up and you go, Oh, I'm going to do this at this time. And it's a goal to lead you up to there. And there are heaps of ways and we'll chat about that. I'm sure to, to do exercise in this new reality, but I think waking up and having a plan, having some goals full stop for young dudes out there is going to be the thing that, that gets them over the line. I love that. Cause that's two points that I had here that I wanted to ask you about. And one was, the fitness um a little probably story about my perspective is you know when i finished playing footy um i'd been working out for pretty much eight years as a job and i think when i first got back to melbourne and was settling into work and doing these things i found myself just like really sometimes just getting annoyed at the you know littlest things i was getting a bit frustrated over things that i wouldn't normally get annoyed at and one of my mates said he's like mate you're not exercising like you're not burning off those calories you're not going for a run you know, I was used to running sort of 30Ks a week and then go to nothing. And it made me realize how important that actually was to keep that up. So I sort of found things like I play squash. Not at the moment, I can't play squash, but I was playing squash. Um, I was going for runs. National ball against the bedroom ball, mate. Yeah, exactly. But that, like, I suppose, what are some of those things that, you know, you can find at the moment? Like, I know there's a lot of apps out there that you can do some um, fitness routines at home and even over Zoom, you can do it with mates. Yeah, I've been, I've been doing it with mates. I've also just been doing, um, setting myself stupid challenges. Like I was like, I wonder if I can do a thousand pushups in a day and that didn't end well. <laughs> but um, get to? I got to like 8.33, I think. Shit, which that's pretty good. Pretty happy about, but I did no work. Don't tell my boss that. But there's, <laughs> there's something to be said for you know, really setting yourself challenges. Like let's turn isolation into like the most competitive sport. I'm all about that. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's, it's probably the old thing of flipping the script. Um, you know, it's, 
we're, we're going to be stuck. Like, like you said, at, at this stage, it looks like we will be probably you know isolated <laughs> Thanks, for a long Appreciate time. It. Glad to be Let's here. Can't make wait. the best of it while we can. Um, one thing that I you know I was really annoyed about this. I was like, I'm not going to be able to get any of my podcast done at a studio. I'm going to have to you know miss out on that. And then I was like, well, actually, let me think about this. I've been wanting to set up a studio at home for two years. That's what I've been wanting to do. And the complaint for me is always, it's so hard to get someone on the show. They're my two biggest things. Now it's like, I've got a studio at home and I can call absolutely anyone in the world because no one's doing anything. <laughs> it's pretty good. So for me, it works out. Um, another one that we just mentioned before was setting goals. Um, I think that if I think about this time as well, and I'm sure you would agree, I am pretty excited because there's a million things that I've been putting off in forever. And it's just like it always gets in the too hard basket or I don't have enough time. I suppose now is a perfect time to be doing those things. For sure. I just wanted to climb the Harbour Bridge with Dill Buckley, so I'm done. But <laughs> my my secondary goals, I think that, that if you can actually not just think about these but plan them, and, and again, it's the specific. This is how this stuff works. Um, you know, you asked before how my role and how all of this has come about, I, I worked to make it happen. You know, everyone goes, Oh, it's really difficult to become a clean psych. It's really difficult to do all these things. I'm like, yeah, but I had no plan B. So we're all in isolation here. Mm. Don't create a plan B. Just have this plan A, which is the best possible outcome and, and just work towards it because there's nothing in the way. You know what I mean? There's no distractions anymore. Just make it happen. I love that. And you're saying that it's, specific goals so is there a sort of module that is a like a correct goal setting sort of platform that you would sort of teach someone is that a thing or yeah for sure i use something called smart goals which is the idea that they should be you know specific and they should be measurable that is like have i actually reached it um they've got to be attainable that's what i mean you you know they're going to be something that you're actually going to be able to pull off and want to pull off um they're going to be relevant to your situation and they're going to be time-based so that T is really important as well because it's like don't just stuff around for hours on end and, you know, and know that it's never going to get there because you've given yourself three months to get this thing done. Make them minute little goals. You know, if it's going to be, if you want to write a book, leave that to the side and go, I want to write five pages, you know, yeah. and let's, let's break it up into tiny goals um, that are actually going to be attainable. It's pretty much, I don't, I don't know, deal about your injury history, for instance, but it's like, if you go through an injury as a sportsman, you've got to pivot real quick. And pivot has been the word of COVID-19 for yeah. some reason, which I hate, but I love the word. Um, yeah. how, did, how did you go about, you know, whenever something happened to your hammy or whatever it may have been, how did you adapt there? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think that you were saying before about the, about the smart goals. Like that was definitely something that our club psychs would always take us through. Um, and I think the best thing about a goal, like you said, is setting like short-term goals and then long-term goals, um, because if you're setting these long-term ones, sometimes it's so hard to see the benefit, like the what's actually happening, and are you actually getting there? Um, and if you, if you, if I've found personally, if I set shorter-term goals, you're getting shorter-term uh, probably results, and you're finding that you're actually hitting yeah. those goals quicker, and you're feeling better about yourself rather than setting really long ones that, you know, you you will get there, but it, it just takes a lot longer. Um, so you know, for my example, this I've the set. Yes, and for me, like at the moment, my goals are to do you know as many podcasts as I can. I'm not going to say I want to do a hundred podcasts a day for a year. I'm just going to try and say, look, I want to do two podcasts a week, and then see what that turns into at some stage. 
Um, in terms of that as well, you know, I want to try and keep, I want to get on top of my fitness. I really want to be a better planned person because I, I find, and I don't know if you have any advice on this, but when I'm planning things, I find that for a week I'll be writing in my diary, doing everything right. I'll be practicing, you know, my mindfulness and my mental health and being on top of everything. And then the next week I'll just stop it and just completely forget about it. And I, I reckon my only advice, because I've seen so many clients who go through just that, firstly, is that, that that's like the most common thing in the world. But there's no like on-off switch here. People think it's like, I'm dealing with my mental health. Now I'm not dealing with my mental health. That's just not the case. The second you catch the fact that you're not doing what you used to be doing, that's not a time for like self-rebuke and, you know, shitting on yourself. It's a time to go, oh, I just remembered that I'm not doing the things that I wanted to do. How am I going to go about doing them? Because if you go, oh, damn, I'm not doing what I wanted to do, then you feel like crap and then you really never do it again because you failed. It shouldn't be a sense of failure here. There should be an idea of, oh, I caught the fact that I was doing my mindfulness last week. I slipped away. I'm going to come back and do it again. Guys, do me a favor and check out my mates from Batuta Advocates new podcast called Generation Batuta. There's no better time to jump in and give it a listen. You can find it exclusively on Spotify. Here's a snippet. Check it out. G'day listeners, Louis Burke here. Here's what's happening this week on Generation Batuta. The shoe's on the other foot as Katrina Sakamoto investigates what happened when a Balinese footy team visited Batuta. Huntley and the other Batuta dolphins found it difficult to get the bitter bears to take in the cultural sites of Batuta. They didn't even care about our town, our history, where we came from, nothing. All they wanted was Eastern food and to get as pissed as possible. Also, why would someone unfollow us on social media? I sent Evan97 in to find out. So, do you like that show Generation Batuta? Nah. That's this week on Generation Batuta. Generation Batuta. G'day guys, Dill here. This should not come as a surprise to anyone given he's one of the biggest and best sports broadcasters in Australia, but Brian Taylor's podcast, Life of Brian, is absolutely flying at the moment. Recently he's had on James Brayshaw, Tony Jones, his nephew and Sydney midfielder James Rowbottom, and even horse teeth Tommy Sheridan. Life of Brian is not just about the guests, it also provides a great insight behind the scenes of the football media and BT's life away from the mic. He's a very, very quirky man. Who would have thought picking up sticks is so important? The show is hosted by his son Harrison and it's fair to say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because Harrison gives Brian a run for his money. Life of Brian is a clubby sports podcast and it should be in your rotation. IllyXX. Yeah, I think that's awesome because I think, like like I said before, when I was doing a bit of stuff and I think that when you flip the script like that and those catches out, you teach them as a positive rather than a negative you're actually realizing it and becoming better at what you're doing. So it's good for me. That's a nice little check-in. I need to remember to do that. Um, I want to talk about uh, the stigma of mental health just quickly. Like I, I think that we've come so far in that aspect and I know that you probably have some opinions on that with Movember and whatnot and people are obviously are so much more open to, to, the, to the side of opening up. Um, how far do you think we've come and, and where can we improve more? Mate, we're two dudes. You're an ex-footy player and we're talking about this in a, in, in a vulnerable yeah. open space on a Friday afternoon. It's insane, you know? Um, let's, let's remember that five years ago, three years ago, this was like a no-go zone for young guys. So it's really easy once things start to shift to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's sweet. It's, this is how it's always been. It was never like this. Um, this is, mm. this has not been the norm for a very long time. So I think we need to be really respectful of the fact that we've made huge strides and that's awesome news. Um, but 
I'm, I'm keen to know, I don't know, what, what you think has changed in, in your life in the last couple of years when it comes to this, because when I reflect on it, what I know has changed is the idea that societal stigma is shifting, which is to say that, you know, everyone knows about this stuff. It's now in the media, especially around this whole pandemic, that um, things are going to be tough and reach out. But self-stigma, which is the idea that you go through something and you don't pick up on it or admit that there might be an issue that you should seek help for. When it's your mate, that's all well and good. I'll drive him to the GP if I need to. Yeah. yeah. Fucking get in my car. No, Let's go. But if, if it's you, no, 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 no. It's sweet. It's sweet. Don't worry. I'm fine. Yeah, man. That's pretty crazy. Like I actually probably never really thought about it like that, to be honest. And straight away, like I probably can definitely relate to that. You know, like I, I absolutely love, you know, being passionate about this and always being there for my mates. But I think when things pop up sometimes in my own life, like I, I do exactly that. Like I'll be like, Oh no, no, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Um, you know, I've like a lot of my psychology stuff in the past has been sports related. So like performance and, you know, managing stress and everything. And it, you can definitely correlate that into, um, into life as well, because you know, it's similar. It's very similar in the way that things are. Um, but yeah, you're right, man. Like I, like everyone has issues. Everyone has things going on in their life, but yeah, I definitely have, times where I get so overwhelmed and, and anxious and I do not deal with that well. And I think that, you know, I, I normally just let myself say to myself, like, yeah, right. I sort of just admit that for 24 hours, I'm going to be a write off and not be able to really function. Um, and I think that that's, pr- to be honest, the reason I love doing this stuff so much is because I love to actually learn about it myself. Um, you know, I, I get these and everyone has anxiety things, but I get these anxiety sort of where like, I just, for 24 hours, I just can't even stop thinking about it. And they come from the weirdest things. They'll come from something like someone might, I might think that someone thinks that I said something about them, which I didn't. But for some reason, that will mentally drive me insane. And I just, I, I can't even function to talk about it. Like, For sure. And that, man, that's like the most common, it's like a social anxiety. And what we often do when it comes to that is that we take no external information into account. What we do is we go, Oh, I have this piece of information, which is just my fist. All right. And then, Oh, look at it expand. Why is it expanding? I've gained no new information at all. I've just started this huge, you know, this is what a pandemic is in the grand scheme of things. Start small and it expands, but there's something going on. It's spreading. You are the person that is causing that spread by going, oh, here are all of these different um, pieces of evidence that I pulled out of nowhere, like thin air. Um, and so what we do as psychologists is sit down with you and go, prove that, prove that, prove that. Where did that come from? How do you have any evidence for that? And what you end up with really is um, this thing called like a behavioral experiment where you get the, the client to go out and, and test whether or not any of this shit is true. And they come back and they go, often they go, oh, actually she didn't think this or it wasn't actually going to be that bad and I got through it and it's just a matter of taking yourself out of your own self-reference which is so dangerous because you've only got a limited amount of information it's subjective and it's often bullshit because it's got your own biases on it take yourself away from that give yourself some objective feedback which is why Movember tells everyone to reach out to your mates you know check in with them explain what's going on because they'll give you good feedback yeah, it's that's it's so true. Like taking yourself out of your own shoe sometimes, and and looking at it from a third person is it does help. 
but I find that like it, it will take me nearly 24 hours to get to that stage. Like what are some of those strategies for people and you know, myself when you're in one of the, probably those anxious times that you actually can just narrow your focus into something like, I, I think that uh, I, I, I had a chat with a psychologist before about this sort of thing. And he said, focus, um, it was what you can see, what you can feel, and what you can touch. So it's just like one thing yeah. you just got to think about what's something that you can see in the room that, you know, someone else might not see. What's the one thing that you can touch and just feel the texture of what it actually feels like. And then what's one thing that mm. you can feel where you're actually sitting or, or something like that. Is there any other strategies that you would sort of. That's all. Awesome. That's like mindfulness stuff. That's being present to your situation and what's going on. Um, I would recommend in non self-isolation periods to just leave your room. Like, fundamentally young dudes sitting inside their bedroom and just dwelling on stuff and getting lost in it is really problematic. So even if it's just getting outside and opening the door and going to speak with your family or friends, whoever's there, um, just opening the door can actually get rid of that suffocation. Um, but we've got, I, I do what I call dive therapy where I go to the beach and jump into freezing cold water and it literally restarts the system. And we can't do that right now, but I've been having cold showers, which just yep. shifts it up in the morning and it's bloody freezing, but it restarts your system in that same way. So when I get caught in a cycle, I just go and I scream in the shower for two minutes and then I'm on a new trajectory in a way. Yeah. I, I think that I can definitely relate to that. Like when I was living in Sydney, I think the reason I loved it so much was being near the ocean. And I think like having that like special sort of thing. And like, like you said, the, the cold water could be something that's definitely on par with that but just getting in like back to nature and like having that um that water like i don't know i think there's something special about the salt water and the ocean that it does for your mind because that would always always be a, a massive help hey fam make sure you all look after yourself and be good to your mothers i'm bloody here for you illy i'll, I'll probably elaborate if you don't mind like i'll, I'll tell you a bit about like my other two things that I love that I learned that I still implement in my days all the time. Love it. Um, one was, and this story, I, I stuff it up all the time because as soon as I've had a few beers and I, I get deep with the boys, <laughs> I tell this, but I, I, I'm yet to nail it. So basically yeah. there's, there's uh, this, this one's about positive and negative thoughts. Okay. And, and you can jump in if you know the story and take over, but basically there's, this old man and he's telling his um his grandson about uh these two wolves and he goes one wolf is called like uh negative and one wolf is called positive so like the negative wolf is like jealousy greed sadness um you know all these you know bad sort of things like negative thoughts and whatnot and the positive one is like gratitude fun happiness um family love all these other ones and the guy goes there's a, they have this big battle, like positive wolf versus negative wolf, and they sit on each shoulder. So there's one on one side of your head, one on the other side of your head. And he's like, the grandson says to the grandpa, which wolf wins? And he says, whatever one you feed. So meaning that like if you feed, you know, if you, if you feed the, the positive wolf, you know, you give it food, it becomes stronger and those sort of things. Like if you're thinking about positivity, gratitude, love, happiness, determination, all these things, that wolf's always going to get stronger and stronger. And the, the negative wolf, like these we, these wolves can't die. Like they're always going to be there because you need them. You need to have those thoughts sometimes, I suppose. 
but that just becomes weaker and weaker. And I think like the, the stronger, the more you can strengthen that other wolf, um, that's what is the aim, I suppose. But I, I've always loved that story because it sort of can relate it and you can sort of picture it um, in a way. And I love that. And Have I you used that, that one before? Especially, I haven't used the wolves before, but I use I use something similar for sure. I'll let you I'll let you okay. own that one for now. It's good. You can have it. Oh, thank you. You can have it. <laughs> Is that you got copyright on that? It's all right. I'll buy it off you. <laughs> I think that the, what I do, um, I said right now, something that's really clear is is the news. Yeah, is like content that's coming in. We are feeding mm. that negative wolf like crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's like, and it's. I'm not one to get caught up in negative news. Like I read about you know suicide all the time, and it and it thankfully doesn't really um, impact me very much anymore. But the past few days, just reading this content over and over and every news story is shit is just like demoralizing. And so you have to feed the other wolf, you know, you got to find, I, I've just been trawling YouTube for just hilarious shit, which I, you know, which I've missed since I was, you know, 16 when, when the times were good. So I think it's a matter of like searching for that because we, I reckon like as humans, we're actually pulled to the negative much more. Um, it's much more, attractive and interesting to focus on catastrophe sometimes than beauty. So I, I just do this thing where I do opposite action. Yeah. And I tell heaps of my clients to try and do this as well, which is you want to do one thing, but do the complete opposite. Yeah. It's like, I just want to lie in bed and watch Netflix all day, literally go and do the complete opposite e.g. 1000 push up challenge. And this is just a call out to anybody if they want to beat my 833. But I think that, yeah, mate, come at me. But I think that <laughs> I think that there is um, really something to be said for just shifting it up, changing the game. Um, because when we get caught in these rigid cycles, we lose sight of um, who we are. When we close our door and we and we get stuck in one mode of thinking, um, it's not a good place to be. Exactly right, man. Um, the other one that I really like to use sometimes for myself is something I relate to like my whole life is this quote, it's not what happens, it's how you react to it. And I think that like that one in is probably in a suppose like this, and I suppose you would definitely be able to elaborate, but like, it's not what happens like this, you know, the cards that we've been dealt at the moment, but even in life in general, when, you know, things are going well, it's how you react to the situation. Um, things can go not your way, but if you have a positive mindset and you can, finally some somehow work out that that's going to be in your favor like there's always going to be like a little thing um it's it's a lot easier said than done like when you're in that mindset but i suppose that's something else that would you agree that that's sort of something that is a cool first thing for sure i really like that and i've got a quote on my laptop actually right here which says today is the tomorrow i was so worried about yesterday oh it's like i'm in it now i'm here yeah and i'm still standing so think about tomorrow and how freaked out I am about that. And I'm, I'm going to get through it. Like it, man. Uh, we touched earlier on mindfulness. Now, it's something that uh, I suppose you're all over. And it's, as we said, again, it's one of those things that's hard to keep consistent. Like I've been trying to do this. At, when I was at Carlton, we did mindfulness training. And it was two times 20 meditation. Two times 20 minute meditations a day. And that was a lot. For someone who's never done that before mm. in their life, it was like pretty overwhelming. And I have a pretty crazy brain sometimes. I'll just sit there and be like, oh, like after a minute, I was like, oh, that was awesome. Like, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, but since then, I've also tried apps like Calm. 
um, and some other sort of things. Uh, like I do really love it, but what's some good tips? Like, do you have any good platforms on it? Do you know anything else that's some good tips of getting like good mindfulness in consistently? For sure. So I use um, Headspace um, and I've used Calm before as well. And I, you know, I find them all pretty good. I've also done, uh, you know, mindfulness stuff without any, any stuff or just having music on in the background. Um, and I, I think that really what the key is here is that there is no, again, there is no right or wrong. There's no failure. You cannot do meditation badly. This is what people, you know, even when before you just go, oh, I've got a crazy mind, you know, and it just goes all over the shop and I don't want to, that's like the very definition of what everyone is dealing with. It's a matter of just acceptance, you know, and it's, it's a really hard concept for some people to grasp, which is to say that we've got this um, natural way of being and now I'm trying to slow it down and I'm not made for this, you know. No one is made to do that. We're all made to, to think in hundreds of different ways and see situations in really complex and, and scary ways often. But what mindfulness meditation is aiming to do is to hone your ability to focus on one thing at a time. And so it's not about sitting there and going home and everything just vanishes and everything's great. I can't even cross my bloody legs, mate. I can't sit on the floor. It's a nightmare. But I reckon it comes down to the, the idea that you are just being in that moment. Even if you're doing it for five minutes a day, you've put that aside and like, bravo, if you get through it, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It's different for everyone. No one's in the mind of, you know, the Dalai Lama right now. We don't know <laughs> what it actually successful meditation looks like. So let's just accept that whatever we try is, is a good effort. And what, like, if you had to give some tips on, like, mindfulness, say to me right now, right? I was, I was saying, look, Doc, how do I start? How do I start mindfulness training right now? Like, is there a five-minute way that you could sort of just say, sorry, a five-minute sort of process that I could just sort of try out tonight or in the morning and just sort of be is it just sitting there thinking like i'm present and being in the moment or is it like listening to some music is it listening to like ocean music is it what what, what are some of the strategies for sure we'll just dim the lights light some candles no but i think i think that there is um really something around um starting externally so if that makes sense so rather internal meditation internal mindfulness internal you know presence is really difficult and that's kind of more of the advanced stuff dealing with that like um you know beyond the breath what's my body doing and how am i feeling about this and can i experience my own internal um world differently we actually like to start externally so for instance washing the dishes washing your hands right now actually if anything you can do that mindfully like I did that this morning. I started paying attention to what it actually felt like to have the water rush, you know, through my fingers and put the soap on my hands and um, actually pay attention to things which you've never spent time doing. So eating a strawberry, for instance, you know, I, I do that sometimes in therapy where we'll get someone to eat a strawberry for five minutes and describe what's actually going on. Suddenly everything that's outside that is gone. You know, you can't focus on that and describe it to me while you're thinking about your marriage breaking down, if that makes sense. So yeah. I would say starting external, starting with food, sound, all of the senses, as you said before, is going to be a really useful way. And then you can come and do some of the breath work um, after the fact. Awesome, man. I am going to, on my weekly shop, which isn't every day because I'm self-isolating, but I'm going to get mm -hmm. some, I'm not going to hoard them, but I'm going to get some, some <laughs> pallets of strawberries if there's any left. 
I'm gonna eat everyone the out there. I'm gonna eat the shit. Dylan Buckley has bought all of the strawberries. <laughs> I'm gonna eat all the. I'm gonna eat the shit out of these strawberries, man, and I'm gonna describe them to you like you've never seen before. I can't wait. Just don't eat toilet paper, everyone out there. We need it. <laughs> um, another thing that I love, um, and I think this honestly changed my life forever, is gratitude. Um, I think that like it's for me personally, and it'd be awesome to get your opinion being a, a you know professor or a doctor in this and actually knowing what you're talking about but for me like focusing on what i have not what i don't is it's it honestly changed my life like i wake up every morning and think of i have like a little routine in my head and it's it's nearly a bit of an ocd thing now i just wake up think about like my family where i am what what i'm doing at the moment and i do it all before i go to bed as well and i've been doing this for probably three years not actually knowing what it really was but was just sort of like affirming to myself, like I had all these really cool things. And I think that once you get in that mindset, like you, you don't worry about what you don't have, you worry about what you do. That's awesome practice, man. It's not OCD. That's just sticking to your guns and doing something reliably, which is the hardest thing to do, creating a practice, but you're doing it morning and night and you've made a routine out of it, which is why it's successful as a goal. You know what I mean? So I would say that if ever there was a time to practice gratitude, it's right now, you know? Um, there are so many people who are really, really struggling. Um, so many people who've lost their jobs and then even who people who've lost their jobs, they know potentially that they're going to be able to get one back in a couple months. Some might not. So it's really a, a good chance to, to sit at home, I guess, and, and take into account everything that's happened to you in the past year and everything that you've been able to achieve because of whatever, whoever is around you, whatever time and effort you've put into it, because that's going to link into your goals because you want to keep that going. And that's what gratitude is all about. It's about um, understanding what you've been given and making sure that you can um, pay that back through continuous effort and, um, and helping others out. And if we were going to sort of like, again, I, I, love doing this and I find it hard to sort of sometimes sell it to people because I'm not, I don't know how to actually get it for them because I don't know what they're grateful for. So it's hard, you know, what I'm grateful for might be really different to what other people are. But if you were doing that and teaching someone how to be grateful, what would be the way that you would do that to, for someone like for someone listening now, how would you sort of. Yeah. There's heaps of different, like there's gratefulness diaries, you know, there's all of that stuff. But I think that um, breaking it down into three domains is probably going to be useful. So doing it about, you know, family, friends or work, or you can do it about your relationship, your social life and, you know, the food you get to eat. You can make it really specific. Some people, you know, just want to talk about the gratefulness that they have about their sex life. Or some people just want to talk about the gratefulness they have about their health, whatever it may be you know, and make it funny, make it memorable, yeah. make it something that you can tell other people. Cause that's how rituals get stuck in. You're talking to me about this now and that's why you're going to keep doing it because I'm going to hold you to account. Cause you've now told me, told yeah. me you do it every night, you know? And even like you said, even keep like telling your partner, telling your mates what you're grateful for. You can keep each other to account. And I think that even earlier um, when you were saying about the being present with it, I'm just thinking now, but when I first started this great gratitude practice, because I started this when we were at Carlton and they used to tell us to be grateful for all these things. So I've told the story before, but I'll, I'll tell it to you quickly is there was a brain and basically they taught us about the hypothalamus, the part of the brain that is for uh, it's activates determination, which determination is made through gratitude. Anyway, so that just stuck with me mm. with that sort of story. Um, I spoke about that on Stephen Cornelio's podcast with him, if anyone wants to listen to that, which 
Cogs is probably the best example for this because he's he, he's incredible the way he thinks. Um, but I think when you're saying being present with those actions, because for so long I was like, oh yeah, and I've got a good family, play for footy for Carlton, like yeah, I'm really grateful, whatever. But I didn't actually didn't actually think about it. Like it was something that I was like, yeah, yeah, I know that I've got this, but I didn't actually go shit. Like that's awesome. Like I can't believe that. Um, so I think like you can be grateful, but then you can be really like you, if you're really taking time with it, you can actually be grateful and realize it at the same time. I agree. And I think, again, it comes down to specifics. Saying I'm grateful for my family is not actually going to be the most useful thing. It's like what today, because if you're going to do this daily or weekly, what right now are you grateful for when it comes to your family is, you know, especially now it's going to be my grandparents. I've got three grandparents who are still alive in their nineties who are kicking on mm. like there's no tomorrow. And they, um, you know, reminding me of that, you know, reminding myself that that is, is my reality is, is awesome. And that is something right now that I don't just say my family, I say, I'm really happy that my grandparents are, uh, are still around and, and can, you know, just give me a call. I'm doing house party with my grandpa tonight. It's going to be nuts. <laughs> That'd be sick. What? Yeah. Uh, what's your um, uh, ethnicity? Is it ethnicity? Is that the right word? Yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm, I was born here, but I've got I've got Jewish heritage. So my grandparents are all from. So is there Europe. is there a specific dish or drink that you like that you guys have at family? The reason I ask is because my my missus is Hungarian, so I can imagine yeah. every time that I'd be on the phone to like her grandparents, it would be a shot of uh, it's called palinka. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I've actually got some Hungarian in me as well. Um, we just have it. There's a lot of beige food going on. Yeah, real wicked. <laughs> My grandma loves it's just like bread and corn and potatoes. I'm like, this is not going to end well for me. It's sausage. Well, um, it's like a cancer ridden diet. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about um, support at the moment. So, obviously, if something's wrong, you've got your friends and family. But if you're not open to talking to them about it and you need someone else to talk to, you, you'd hopefully people would be urged to see a psychologist. But at the moment, obviously, in the landscape we're in, that might be a little bit hard in itself. What are some, you know, if someone is struggling and they do want to, you know, they're listening to this and they want more help with that, like where can we actually access that from at the moment? Like is there anything that's up and about? Is there is there Zoom? Can you Zoom a psychologist? Can you, you know, what, what is there? For sure. So there's been awesome, awesome um adaptation from the government pretty quickly and i would say that this is the thing they've done best right now is that they've brought up um all of these telehealth which means this type of zoom call or phone call with your gp or psychologist or psychiatrist has now become part of like the medicare rebate system so you know you could get 10 sessions before if you went to a gp and they gave you a care plan you can go and see a psychologist um and you get some money back from the government, now they're allowing that for telehealth. So it used to only be that you could Zoom someone if you lived in a regional or rural area, but now they're bringing it about because everyone's stuck at home, and if you can't see a psych and you're really distressed, it's pretty problematic. So firstly, you can get in touch with the psychologist and your GP via, via um, Zoom, and hopefully they're, they're, um, they've got that technological capability. But secondly, there's you know, obviously heaps of online support groups, which I highly recommend lurking at this time on social media, yeah. just watching shit from a distance is not going to be good for you. Yeah. You need to engage and you need to check in and actually take part in some stuff. And there's some awesome groups like Banksia Project, Mr. Perfect. You can go on headsupguys.org um, is an awesome site that talks about um, male distress and, and helps you check in there as well. 
and then there's men's line which is the the um, crisis line um also lifeline obviously um to give them a call if if you know shit's hit the fan because we're all going through it right now let's not pretend this isn't a strange time and there's nothing nothing weak about reaching out it's actually the bravest thing you can do yeah 100% mate and um we will have all those links and numbers and stuff in the in the show notes so Guys, if you if you ever need any of that stuff, make sure you reach out. Um, it might you know if it's for you, if it's for someone else, just just pass it on. Pass on the message that you, you know we're there. Um, everyone's like you said, um, Doc. Everyone's going through the same stuff, so uh, it, it it can be a tough time, but it can be a lot easier if we look out for each other. And I suppose that's where you know the last sort of bit comes in is I, I want to set some challenges out for people, and I know you've already set me one: a thousand push-ups in a day. Um, now, I used to carry Carlton and Giants on my shoulders for eight years, um, so I, I'm fairly confident I'll be able to do that. Um, but in terms of ran- random challenges that <laughs> I want to I want to um, give out, what uh, I want to give out, a, I want to do a random act of kindness one. Now, I did this with Stevie Cornelio, and again, it's one of those things that we said we we're going to do, and we didn't really follow up. So I want to try and do this somehow. Again, I'm still working out the process of how that's going to go, but I want guys out there to do this. Message me what you did and we'll definitely share them. Um, I'm trying to think of something. I was going to do the coffee one, but can't really go out. You know, might be able to buy some coffees for some people. It might be, might even just be just calling, you know, one of your older people in your family, catching in or one of your mates. Um, I don't know, Doc, have you got anything else there? I've, man, I drove past Centrelink the other day and I saw this lovely woman just handing out coffees to people standing outside in the rain, which is, you know, both the saddest and proudest moment i've seen of humanity right now so i think that um you can do random acts of kindness without seeing someone you know in in person but i reckon checking in with the elderly man is is a good call your grandparents or finding a way to to maybe deliver some groceries to someone in your in your neighborhood especially older guys they're not that good at reaching out my grandma's got endless mates my grandpa not so much so potentially finding that way forward yeah so there's two there guys a random act of kindness try and get something there um, I'm really, really passionate about this one. I really want everyone to go away and call, you know, all their mates and just check in. And like, I, I'm so happy that like I had, I've had two mates call me. Um, you know, I like to think I'm good at this stuff, but um, you know, they obviously already beat me to it, and they've just checked in and said like, "Hey, you're going with your job, hey." And I was actually like, "Far out! This is so incredible that they've done this." Like, I not that I didn't expect them to do it, but I, I in a way that I just, you know, I just didn't think that they'd probably think that i needed that and for them to do that it was it means more than anything um so i think mm-hmm. that's a awesome one just checking someone check what they're doing for work has it affected what they're doing um and in any way can you help out i agree and don't assume that everything's all right even if they you know even if they say yeah it's fine you know you've got you've got 15 minutes on the phone you know there's no no harm in pushing them a little and trying to get a bit more information out of them and and sharing whatever's going on with you as well because that's the best way to get um, them to share their situation and then you can move forward from there the other two that we spoke about earlier uh were i'm really i'm really excited about these two because i think that this has a lot of scope and i, I said in a, a podcast i did with my mate sam doherty uh that's that's the last episode i released it was about the the businesses that were created in this like the last recessions and like how incredible businesses and ideas that people came up with so if there's anything that you've been putting off that you said, look, I could do this, I don't have the time, you've got to start it now. Like, this is the time to do it. Um, whatever it is, you know, you might want to do. It could be anything. I don't know what it is because I don't have an idea yet. But if I did, um, I'd be starting it now. For sure. And offer Dylan I equity 
early, please. <laughs> That's very true. Set some goals, do it, check in on everyone. Um, Doc, is there any other messages out there that you think might be vital or have we covered it all? I think we've done a pretty good job. I, thanks for your um, openness and honesty, mate. Always, you know, honesty, mate. Always, you know, appreciate No, I really appreciate it, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Dr. Zach Seidler, Global Director of Mental Health Training at Movember, clinical psychologist. Mate, I, I feel like we should make this a, a bit of a thing. I, I would love to have you on as a as a as a um a guest more often and just checking in and seeing what's news. Thank you, mate. I'll chat to you soon. Be yourself. Cheers. Oh, actually, Doc. Yep. One thing I've been doing with the guests, because I'm I'm a, an affectionate man. <laughs> um, and normally, you know, I'd love to give you a hug or something after this. While we're not here, I was thinking we could maybe have a bit of a virtual kiss. Love it. So I want you to to go over your left shoulder and I'll go over my right shoulder. Okay? You just kiss the end of the screen. Yep. (laughs) Thanks, mate. Have a great day. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends Podcast. The show is produced by Dylan Buckley and Luca Ganano. Richard Stansbury looks after the audio and editing. Samuel Kenny Creative is responsible for branding and graphic design. And the show is recorded at 3AW Studios, Collins Street, Melbourne. If you would like to contact my son, head to dylanfriends.com or look me up in the white pages and I'll pass it on. Thank you.